So my question is, you know, where do we go from here? You know, it's not about looting. It's not about riots. It's not about going after all cops. And because we know there's bad apples. There's not just bad cops. There's bad sanitation workers. There's bad teachers. There's bad lawyers out there, you know, but they're not all bad. And you can't put them all in that same box. This is Susan Chestnut of the Chestnut Law Firm. This is my podcast from foster care to family law, a child welfare focus. I was raised in the foster care system. I was a child abuse investigator for the Department of Children and Families. And now I'm an attorney practicing family law where my passion is to focus on the best interests for the children involved. In my podcast, I will be meeting with industry experts exploring the seemingly impossible scenarios that families often struggle to manage. Each episode will include insights and concepts from professionals that deal with these issues every day. I'm here with Michael Marsh. He's a friend of mine. He is a community advocate. Also, he has started a nonprofit organization called Team Success Enterprises. He did that in 2008 as part of his advocacy in our community. Thank you very much, Michael Marsh, for being on the show today. Thank you very much for allowing me. Most welcome. I I appreciate your input and your time. Can you tell me whether you consider yourself an activist or an advocate? Well, I would say I'm a little more of a retired activist and currently an advocate. I I got my start in roughly about 2015 as an activist after my friend Corey Jones was shot and killed by an off-duty police officer in Palm Beach Gardens, Florida. And after a few years of fighting for body cameras, civilian review boards, after that, we finally got justice in the case. Fast forward some years later, and uh, some great law enforcement buddies said, hey, man, you, you know, you, you're going to end up dead one of these days. I mean, I was going after corrupt cops, which I was very proud of, but uh, I decided to shift gears a little bit, and now I'm more of an advocate. because there's, there's many ways that you can skin a cat, and uh, after myself being reformed a little bit, I realize now that I can make much more of a difference with teaming up with the good ones to take to do away with the bad ones. And by the bad ones, you're referring to the law enforcement officers who are using police brutality and and otherwise abusing citizens. Yes, ma'am. That's correct. Okay. And so with your story with Corey Jones, can you tell me a little bit more about that? How did you come into that information? Yeah. So. Me and Corey went to elementary, middle, and high school together. You know, he was a young man who, the only time he ever got in trouble in the classroom is when he had a pick in his hair because he had the nicest fro around. And uh, one day I, I was on Facebook and I saw that he was shot and killed by an off-duty police officer. Well, come to find out the accounts from the law enforcement officer was a complete lie. That night, Corey broke down off the intersection of I-95 and Palm Beach Gardens. Uh, this officer was supposed to be on burglary patrol adjacent to the motel. He came onto the off-ramp of I-95 the wrong way, uh, immediately approached Corey in, in a violent manner, and depending on who you, whose story you believe, which one version was ex-cop, uh, Officer Raja, it was that he feared for his life, Corey had a gun. Well, what this t- officer did not know was that Corey was on the phone with roadside assistance because he was broken down waiting for a tow. It just so happens that roadside assistance is what convicted that killer cop because his account of those sequence of events was a lie and he shot Corey and killed him in cold blood murder. And uh, finally, 
We protested, we rallied. And in this day and age, I think it's very necessary to have these peaceful protests. And I see nothing wrong with, and, and we did it ourselves. We shut down 95, we shut down streets. You know, there's nothing wrong with disturbing business as usual. However, what's phase two? And to segue what we're currently seeing here in Indian River County, which, which is a great thing, we see people are finally mad. They had enough once they seen the murder of George Floyd. You know, but this has been years and years. So my question is, you know, where do we go from here? You know, it's not about looting. It's not about riots. It's not about going after all cops. And because we know there's bad apples. There's not just bad cops. There's bad sanitation workers. There's bad teachers. There's bad lawyers out there. You know, but they're not all bad. And you can't put them all in that same box. So where do we go next? And that is the biggest thing, the most important message that I want to stress that, you know, I, I watched recently the Vero Beach Police Department have to come out day after day on these rallies. I participated in one, only one, and that was the one at the Vero Beach Police Department. And the reason being is that the Vero Beach Police Department took a stance that you never really saw before. And that was they spoke out against this killer cop. And, and these bad cops that also played a role in this murder. And I commend them 100%. And I have, you know, much utmost respect for a good personal friend of mine, Dale Rivers, who came out and expressed of how wrong it is. But that is what we just saw years ago. And that is the day I said I was going to retire from activism, is when law enforcement, we get together as a community and say, you know what? You don't need to be making us all look bad. Why should I have to watch my back as a cop? I know I'm a good guy. But I got this bad one here. You know, we're at the age of right now in our society as a whole, even Sleepy Vero Beach, that we all need to stand together as a community, united with law enforcement and us, the community. That when something like this happens, it doesn't get swept under the rug. It doesn't, you know, these excuses aren't made. You can't fear for your life every single time. And these unions cannot keep funding these killer cops defense. And that's what we saw in the Corey Jones case. And uh, fast forward, we finally got justice from October 18 to 2015. It went all the way to 2019. And he's sitting in a uh, Department of Corrections where he belongs. But it was the first cop in over 30 some years that Palm Beach County ever seen to be indicted. What does that say? That was the first one? That was the first one. He was caught on audio. And that is the only reason why that my friend Corey Jones ever received his justice. But how sad is that? That it had to take that that phone call for roadside assistance to convict this cop. Because let's face it, we don't arrest bad cops, and we surely we don't convict them, and that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is a problem. Now, is that where your insistence on the body cams is coming from? Because of that collection of audio from that incident. Yes. So if it wasn't for that roadside assistance, my friend would never got justice. During that time, myself and a couple legislators championed the bill to mandate body cameras. Listen, I always get the excuse, whether it's from a city or county, wherever I'm at discussing body cameras. It's so expensive, the cloud storage, the cameras. You know, what are we going to do with the public records and redact the redactions that got to take place? That's all baloney. You know, that those are not justifiable excuses. Sebastian Police Department 
another wonderful chief over there who's now retired. I sat down with Chief Morris and I was there with the news the day that Sebastian Police Department, such a small little police agency, they figured it out. They went to body cameras. But going back to the legislators, the bill died because the unions, they don't want transparency, accountability, and accessibility. Let's face it. Do all cops even put on their dash cameras? The answer is no. You think they're gonna put on their body camera? So the unions, they don't want that. So it died in this in this committee. But we need as to hold these legislators accountable. It doesn't need to be when the Corey Jones, the George Floyd, the Breonna Taylor, all these names, the cameras are gone, and then you don't see these legislators anymore. Or you don't see these big shot attorneys. Do you really think some of these civil rights attorneys really want this change? I don't, because think about it. They wouldn't be able to be in front of the camera and say, another murder. Yes, correct. How are we going to fix it? I want to be part of the solution, not it's another lawsuit, and we, the taxpayers, are going to pay for that killer cop. I want it to be where we mandate body cameras. Guess what? Your agency can't find the money. You're going to find it now. It's no difference when the radio transmissions years ago, like Vero Beach Police Department, everyone had to go to the different radios. Guess what? It was a mandate. So they found the money. We can find the money for body cameras as well. If such a small little agency like Sebastian Police Department, who was led by a wonderful chief, Michelle Morris, if they could figure it out, you tell me why the rest of them can't. Mm -hmm. Not we need to have that second set of eyes, not just for us as civilians, because what am I saying? That we don't trust cops? This protects law enforcement too. Can you imagine if you were a cop and now you have to worry about a grand jury indicting you for murder. But you knew that this person shot at you or this person had you in legitimate fear of your life. Wouldn't this body cam protect you too? So it's not just for uh, us, the civilians. It's for our good cops, our men and women, who I could imagine being in their shoes saying, this grand jury, are they going to indict me? I wanted to get home to my family, so I shot. You know, so this this is for both of us. But why doesn't the union support it? And why do we keep funding the defenses for these killer cops? So I want to see body cameras. I want to see civilian review boards, which we don't have. Up in Tampa, they do. I want to see that no longer do we let the police police themselves. We need to have outside investigations for all police-involved shootings. Internal affairs cannot and does not work, period. You know, I'm not saying that we don't have this trust for these law enforcement agencies, but doesn't it just sound better? Let, let's face it, everyone is under their best behavior when there's a camera, right? So if we knew that our actions were gonna be scrutinized to a higher standard, everyone, it would be better practices with law enforcement across the board. Mm -hmm. So those are the, the, the three items that I would love to see going forward in law enforcement as a whole across the nation, especially here in Florida, especially here in Indian River County, is that we mandate these body cameras, we have civilian review boards, and we do not allow the police to police themselves. Because you know what that's gonna bring us? Three attributes, accountability, accessibility, and transparency. And that is what is needed in 2020. It's great that people are getting ahead at the sands, you know, and then and now all of a sudden now so many people are mad and I hate to throw race, but I will because then that, you know, I think that's a great segue in the next argument here is, but I've never seen this many white people mad 
And it's great. It is absolutely great. Because you know what I've been screaming for 10 years? No one wants to listen to the crazy activists here. But now white people are saying it. And that is wonderful. So you know what? That is the true epitome of allies. And when we talk about allies, that doesn't mean because you're white, uh, you don't get to stand up and you have to shut up for civil rights. Those people who think like that, well, I'm white. Listen, I didn't have no damn slaves. I'm sure you didn't either. I wasn't part of the problem here. So if we want to be an ally, you know how you become an ally? Is when you're a young white man, okay? And you're getting ready to graduate high school, but your black friend has a Black Lives Matter cap and is told you won't walk across that stage if you wear your Black Lives Matter cap. That white friend, that ally says, if she ain't walking, neither am I. Mm -hmm. And that's what took place in St. Lucie County at Centennial High School. And yesterday, our not-for-profit team success was fortunate enough to raise some money here in the community, uh, as well as bring her some gifts. And I looked at her and I said, what you did, I pray to God when my daughters are that age, because I'm a proud single father of two beautiful biracial queens, that she decided I'm going to stand for what's right and I'm going to keep my Black Lives Matter. You know, and, and that gets us to the argument of, of here locally. What are we seeing right now in River County? You're looking at a mural that is on Facebook almost every damn day a week ago. All lives, black lives. You know, until we get past the division that, that sometimes the media creates and sometimes we ourselves, you're not going to get any type of progress. Listen, we know that blacks are being attacked, okay? So why would you protest a protest? And that's exactly what all lives is doing, in my opinion. We, yes, of course, everyone's life matters. Do I feel the same way if a cop is killed versus a young black man? But here's the thing, we hold cops to a higher standard, a greater caliber of a person. If they are allowed to be judge, jury, and executioner, I have a problem with that. So it is no difference than the correlation I saw so eloquently put recently. It said, if a house is on fire and you come outside, you got the firefighters pull up and they start hosing down the house next door that's not on fire. And a guy comes up and said, my house is on fire. But all houses matter. All houses matter, right? How dumb does that sound? Sounds pretty moronic, right? The same way when we, right now we know what's happening across the nation. And you can't tell me there's not racial disparity. There's not systemic racism. So you know what? I will proudly say all lives matter. As soon as we get past racial disparity, as soon as we conquer systemic racism, and as soon as in Indian River County, I could say my first black clerk of the court, my first black fill in the blank, fill in the blank. Dale Rivers ran a few years ago, and I'm gonna say it for him. This county wasn't ready for him to be in position. Why? That is what the problem is. So until we get past that, until I can get a damn black uh, person in power here, what are you gonna tell me? That, that there's no one that can run? You know, we're not ready for that. So until we get that, not just here, not to single out Indian River County, because if you turn on the news, it makes the news, the first black police chief. Why is that news? Because just 1956, we were hearing about Brown versus Board of Education. That wasn't that long ago. So until we get past that, I can't get down with your protest to a protest and say, but all lives matter. But we did not get past 
what's taking place right now with Black Lives. Right. Absolutely. So is it the fact that you have biracial baby queens that you're raising in this society? Is it your experience with your personal friends that have been abused and murdered by law enforcement? What is it that motivates you, Michael Marsh, to be the advocate that you are right now? Because let's face it, we'll go back to race, you know, and, I, and I've and i had this told to me by good friends in the journalist world. They say, let's face it, yeah, you get away with a lot of stuff because of your color. And, and to an extent, because now I feel like I'm black when as many times I've been persecuted here. But that is true. Some of the things I've done in my activism career, I would have been dead twice and had to reincarnate three times. But yes, when I have to look at my daughter and they say, but daddy, your friends are cops. Why did they kill Corey? That hurts me to my soul to have to answer that damn question. And when I see an autopsy, when a mother sends me and says, this is what happened to my child. And as a father, I have to look and see bullets, a body being riddled, okay? And these people, I know it will never make its way out of Indian River County. You know, I take it very seriously. When I got to be a voice in the Corey Jones case and a couple other families, I take that very serious. And I am very proud that it made its way to national exposure, national, you know, but yes, I definitely have a vested interest because at the end of the day, you can look at the numbers, even in the juvenile system, when it comes to civil citations, it's not a level playing field. Mm -mm. It isn't, it absolutely isn't. And until we get more people to say, you know what, we're sick of this good old boy system. You know, I don't, it's been told to me once that I'm gonna expand on it. We have two different systems here at Indian River County. You have your justice system, and then you have the just us system. And then you can decide which part of that good old boy system you're a part of. Lady Justice ain't blind. She sees when you're a police officer. She knows when you're black. She knows when you're male versus female. So if we're gonna start doing away with statues, can we kidnap Lady Justice? Cause she could see pretty well, you know? So I definitely have a vested interest and it's just sad. You know, it, it, it really truly is in, in, in what we're seeing right here. But we need to shift on from that anger. Because I had that same anger. Now I'm passionate. You know, what does phase two look like? And phase two is you hold these constitutional officers. You hold your public servants, okay? You say, this is what you said you were going to do. I don't want you in the black community when here's a free bicycle. Here's a book bag. Where have you been? Don't come here for your photo op. Okay, if you're gonna represent the black community, and I'm not saying that you can't have whites representing the black community here. I wanted to run for NAACP president until those uh, fine folks kicked me out. But if you're gonna represent an area as Gifford and some of these other areas, but you never go out there, you never really understand, okay? Between that and something else that has been told to me that, you know what, Marsh, you can't beat them, join them. This came from a few pillars here, and we won't call them out. That's scary between the two different justice systems and the fact that you got people saying, well, you can't beat them, join them. You know, we need to do better. And phase two needs to look like we do better. Not this looting crap, not this, you know, all cops are, are, are bad and, and we, we hate them. We don't hate them. You know, we, we know that what are we gonna do? Call a crackhead? Of course not. We need local law enforcement, you know, but do people really understand when you say the word defund police and we, when you talk about these different thing i don't believe so and well i want about... i want you to explain it from your perspective because it seems insane 
to turn away those that are supposed to protect you when you tend to categorize, not you, but the general public yeah. tends to demonize an entire agency for a few bad players. We can't live in a society without laws and we can't live Absolutely. in a society where laws are not enforced. So how can you explain that to the listeners, what the difference is between being logical and illogical in that situation? You know, to make it quite simple, you got to bring back community-oriented policing. The days of these cops being on bicycles and getting out and talking with their community, listen, I don't stand for the militarization of law enforcement. Do I think we need to have more tanks like the marshmallow man is coming to town? No, because who is going to pay for the upkeep of a tank, okay? Do I need to see a helicopter in the air every two hours? No. But as far as, well, we're just going to get rid of law enforcement, you saw it in Seattle. Have fun with that. That chaos and anarchy is, is not what's needed. But when do we bring back community-oriented policing? You know, I love these events that they do here, coffee with the cop, but that shouldn't be a yearly event. There needs to be monthly meetings, not just whether it's county, every law enforcement agency. You need to truly listen to the people. Not when there's an election and you're like, you know what I'm going to do for the black community? But then, poof, silence of the lambs. You never hear from them again. So to answer that question, no, we do not need to defund them, okay? But should we look at these budgets of, why do you need a tank? Who's gonna upkeep the tank? I don't care if you bought the tank for $10 from a surplus. Who is going to pay for the upkeep of your tank when the marshmallow man comes into town? You know. But we need to bring back community-oriented policing because at the end of the day, I am your constituent in the community. And I think some of these constitutional officers they don't understand that. You yourself, I'm sure you know, but a lot of people don't. Who does your constitutional officers answer to at the end of the day? Just the governor. So do you know how important it is when we're getting ready to vote, no matter what? And it's not about your favorite team. Oh, let's find the R for Republican. Let's find the D for Democrat. Most people don't even know. Do you know there's a Libertarian Party? Probably not, because we don't teach that. But, you know, these constitutional officers, it's such a big deal to put them in office because Technically, they're supposed to answer to the people, but realistically, if you're going to follow a grievance, it's only to your governor. That is a lot of power, a lot of power, and we need to take it quite seriously. I want to talk about what you mentioned a little bit earlier, more on the body cams, and specifically, I want more details from you on how you're envisioning these civilian review boards, because I think you're on to something, but what is the practicality of doing those things? How do you organize it? How, how do you find someone to man it? I mean, what are, your what are your visions for that? To go through the body cams first, because I've heard, you know, a lot of ac other activists in the community say, you're ridiculous. They don't, they're not gonna turn them on, that's fine. See, what we forget is that there's already laws on the books when cops misuse the David system, and that's one of their databases. Yes, explain. It's a misdemeanor. You know what it is? Can you explain what David is? The driver and vehicle identification database, I think it stands for. But anyway, that's the way law enforcement, let's, they can't use it for idle curiosity. Right. It has to be say, specific to their event that they're investigating. Correct. Yes. But it doesn't always get used to that magnitude. And we've no. seen lawsuits time after time. But it's a misdemeanor. It is a first-degree misdemeanor. But do they ever get prosecuted for it? No. 
So with the body cameras, that's an argument that they're going to shut that, they're going to shut it off. If, if we make it a felony, and some people say, oh, that's kind of harsh. If they deliberately turn off their body camera, it should be a felony. Absolutely. If a laptop that I steal in the state of Florida is a felony because of the amount, I want it to be a felony that a cop turns off their body camera deliberately. And so that's an argument against it. The other thing is the expense. You know something? I've seen agencies where they combine the dash camera and the body camera. They get a better deal. But here's the problem. You got a lot of these agencies that won't even look at the expense because they really don't want that type of transparency. You know, heck, put body cameras on teachers too. Anyone who's in a position of, of this type of magnitude, you know, we need to have a second set of eyes. You know, not, not saying we don't trust you, but that is a lot. We're putting a lot of power in the hands of law enforcement. And like I said, they get to play judge, jury, and executioner on every traffic stop. Don't I, should I get the ability to be able to see that? And, and as far as the pros, you know, it's good for both of us. As far as the civilian review boards, it needs to be comprised of retired law enforcement, community leaders, however you want to designate that. It can't just be another law enforcement board. It needs to be in Sebastian, they have a like budget committee that, and that goes to the city commissioners that they, that they have to listen to. So it, it's basically an oversight board. Law enforcement needs to have that, period. Because we need to be able to see, and I get it, I wasn't a cop, you know, but that's fine. But at the same way, any police involved shooting, any death that happens in, during the chain of custody, any excessive force, we cannot let the police police themselves because you hear it right now. Do you think these people are looting and, and rioting because it's just fun because they want to steal stuff? Or you think they're sick and tired of being sick and tired? I don't condone it, but I get it. And, it, and it's time that we do get it because when we see that this cop just killed someone, but they're back to work seven days later and no one even bats an eye. That is problematic. Get a civilian review board and say, you know what? No, we need to take a second set of eyes, not sweep it under the rug. Why do we hear every single time, paid administrative leave? Well, they were cleared by internal affairs. I mean, we know what's gonna happen before it happens. Mm -hmm. So when you, if you're gonna bring back, you have to, it all falls under the umbrella of community-oriented policing. The body cams, the civilian review boards, and of course, some type of means that you cannot let them police themselves. Right, and you're talking about maybe an outside authority that comes so in and does the internal affairs. Yes, there's a memorandum of understanding. We'll, we'll, we'll just, I'll pick a couple of my few favorite agencies there. You got any of Shore, Bureau Beach Police Department, Sebastian, they have what's called a memorandum of understanding. What this means is any police involved shooting or any death that happens with, while they're in their custody, it goes directly to an outside investigation. It's FDLE. I would like to see it to be Department of Justice personally, but at least it's a second set of eyes. So therefore, if anyone gets cleared, you don't have the chief saying, well, I investigated ourselves and we found nothing. You have another entity that says, we ain't got no dog in the race. You know, they were cleared on, on all wrongdoing. Every agency in America should have that type of memorandum of understanding, period. I mean, I, how would you argue that? Well, we don't trust the cops. 
I'm sorry, but if you turn on the TV, I'm not saying we don't trust them. All I'm saying is we should have a second set of eyes. Right, right, and see exactly what happens when it's happening. No, yeah. no question, no interpretation, because facts become None. facts at that point, right? That's, that's it. You can't refute facts. I don't care about your opinions or how you feel. I care about factual evidence. So let's talk about your nonprofit that you started. Tell, tell me about it, because I didn't learn about it until I began to learn about you. And I feel like yeah. it's something that I personally would like to participate and contribute in. And maybe you could help our listeners understand what it is, what the purpose is, how it's ran, and what your goals are with that nonprofit that you started. So thank you. So a few years ago, we started feeding uh, some men in the woods over on Aviation on US-1. And uh, it was actually Dale Rivers who made the joke to me. He said, stop chasing cops and go help the homeless in the woods. And me being so naive, I mean, I've been here for over 10 years. I said, the homeless in the woods, where? And he said, this is where you go. And first off, I love the fact that he said to me, we check on them, you know, quite frequently. And I was like, that's awesome that you guys do that from a law enforcement perspective. I, you know, I love that idea. And uh, I went out there one day and a young man came out the woods and was like, what you doing here? And I didn't realize what a tight knit community the homeless really were. And I said, well, I just want to feed you. And I said, you know, Dale Rivers? Yeah, we know him. Apparently everyone does. Everybody. And uh, they allowed me to come in there and start feeding them. It, it, it broke my heart. You know, I'm looking at guys my age that one guy had a hernia and he became homeless. A couple other guys, bad drug problems. You know, I was very fortunate that some of these problems I never had. So I didn't understand it, but I wanted to understand it. So I took to Facebook. I said, you know what? I got a big mouth. Everyone follows me. Help me feed the, the people in the woods. And it started, it was great. Businesses, all these different places were giving me stuff. It was like an episode of Hoarders at my house. It still is. And uh, I started going every single week and I enjoyed it. And a buddy of mine, who was another mentor, uh, John Slocum, who was our vice president, helped me co-found Team Success. He said, you gotta be a not-for-profit so we can do this the right way. We need to get our hands on more resources so we can help more. And I said, I'm controversial, Michael Marsh. I, you know, I don't know about this here. I'm gonna be the president of a, of a not-for-profit, Mr. Anti-this and Anti-that. But you know what, Attorney Chestnut has saved my life because I did have some anger in me of what took place, you know, just the, the civil injustices to myself, to my friend, Corey, you know, and others out there. But a retired cop, who's now also an officer over at the shore, said, you're so angry. Let's, let's use that towards something else. And you know what? Uh, you don't have to be religious, but if you do good, that good karma comes back. A complete stranger watched my video and I said, I would love to form a not-for-profit if I had the money. She wrote a check for every expense I had. Wow. You know, like the federal level, the state level. She said, how much is it going to cost so you can be out there in the woods every single week and you can get more resources? I said, I need a couple thousand dollars. Here you go. She paid every single penny. That's amazing. So to have someone believe in you, and the greatest part is she said to me, listen, my whole family's law enforcement. Can you tone it down a little bit with the damn cops? And I said, all right, I'll, I'll see what I can do here. But you know what? Now we're working side by side. I am proud to say that we have numerous partnerships with law enforcement. One of them, the Indian, the Indian River Shores Public Safety Complex last year, 
One of the things I wanted to do was a mentorship program at the Boys and Girls Club, which is a wonderful organization. They are the real MVPs right now. Because mm -hmm. while the schools were closed, the Boys and Girls Club was like, bring them back. We'll figure it out. And you feed know, them. Uh, they're, they're awesome. Mm -hmm. And I, I went to them because I feel that the team group, we needed to do something right now with these teams. And I had the idea. I said, let's bridge the gap. Because don't tell me there's not a gap, okay? Bridge the gap between law enforcement and the teen community, exposing the different jobs and careers that are not getting at the schools, and make certain every one of them has a mentor. Chief Rich Rossell loved the idea. Not only did he send me one officer, he sent me two officers every single week to go visit the Boys and Girls Club. You know how huge that was? Just to give you an idea, Officer Michael Page, big guy, great guy. That was one of my, one of my mentors. Walked in there, and we had three kids do like this. They were just like, oh, God, got to listen to the cops. Weeks later, one week he, he wasn't there or something. Where's Officer Page? That's when I said, you see this? If you show them in a different light, because we know they do great things. We got many great cops in this county that does wonderful, amazing things. So many of them, even behind the scenes, that do stuff with me that they're like, no pictures, Mike, it's you. But still help me anyway. You know, but we started that collaboration and we called it the monthly mentoring missions. And what that looked like was uh, field trips every single month. And we wouldn't just take the Bureau Club, that we took every club, Sebastian, Fells, Mayor, and Bureau. So we visited the Bureau Beach Police Department, PIO Dale Rivers there, gave them a tour of the jail. We went to the city council, Laura Moss, the city manager, city attorney helped us with that. So they were going on these real field trips of substance. You know, like, wow, you, when I asked a question to a 17 year old and say, explain the three branches of government, tell me what they do. Let, let, I want to hear about the separation of powers and I can't get that. Well, you know what? Let's take you to see it firsthand. So we started with that and then COVID happened and we had to figure out what are we going to do now? We partnered with another great not-for-profit, the Salvation Army of Indian River County, who I, I couldn't believe what they were doing what they were doing during the pandemic. And I wanted to be a part of it. So I stopped what I was doing with Team Success because it was very hard to fundraise. You couldn't do any events. And I was out there on the front line every single day with the Salvation Army. And I watched them feed, not hundreds, thousands, people who've never been to a food bank before. So to go back and tell you what my not-for-profit is, we help the helpers. We uplift the uplifters. That's what makes us different. You know, we fill in the gaps. I had someone call me one time from one of the big dogs here, bigger not-for-profit, and say, you know, when that convicted felon, we couldn't help them. We sent them to you. Or, you know, that mom who went back to a domestic violence relationship and went to every shelter, and now she couldn't go back, and we sent her to you. You get the ones who fall through the cracks. And you know what? That's exactly what Team Success does. Our mission is to alleviate all forms of human suffering no matter what that may look like. So what have we done? We've, we've placed uh, people in shelters. We have a couple big events that you segue to. One of them is called the Big Bird Blessing. Not, not Sesame Street there, but where we feed hundreds. Last year, we partnered with Olivia's Restaurant, a great, lovely restaurant that allowed us to put all of our food there. We fed uh, numerous uh, organizations. We fed Camp Haven. We fed Phoenix Wellness. We went to Motel 6. My goal this year in partnership with Orc Services is doing a huge uh, turkey event. Wonderful philanthropist here in Indian River County, Adam Ogilvie there. Last year donated 
dozens and dozens of turkeys. So this year we're pledging that we're going to feed 750 people. But that's one of the things. Salvation Army, we bought a box truck. We're going to be your first indigency moving company here in Indian River County for domestic violence victims, for veterans, for seniors, and also have a component for uh, first responders. So we're very blessed on on help that we get through Facebook, but we don't get any type of government state funding. So we really depend on these donations, you know? So I'm very excited on upcoming events. We're gonna be at a back to school event uh, this month over at Laporte Farms on July 25th, who Friends of Laporte Farms does amazing uh, things here in New River County for our back to school event. After I leave you, uh, we're gonna be on a conference call with Department of Juvenile Justice. Uh, to help their kids with community service, actually a meaningful version of community service, not just picking up trash, but doing the same thing that we did at Boys and Girls Club and make it individualized. So I look forward for when I get a young lady that's been in trouble, that she can meet you and hear your story. And then one day she goes to law school and becomes an attorney because we need, it all starts with educating. And I'm a firm believer on that, whether it's college or not, it just could be a common sense. It all starts with educating our youth. And we need to bring that back. And we need to have more after school. We need to have something for that youthful offender age that you see time after time that gets into trouble. What do we have for that 18 to 25 year old group? Because I'll call out uh, men myself. I didn't, you know, I don't think I was competent until the age of 25, you know? <laughs> so what do we have here? There's no police athletically. We need to have more. And I, and, and I would love to champion such a thing but it all starts with educating them. And that's one of the, the main things that we're looking to do here at Team Success Enterprise. You know what? I'm over here, like, bestill my heart with some of the things that you're saying. I have been, since I became an attorney, an advocate for safe space for domestic violence. I've done clothing drives. I've tried to get with Teddy Floyd on buying turkeys. I try to support as much, you know, high school, everything that I can, because, you know, I was raised by my community, right? That, that, that's my story. My community raised me, but for the grace of God putting people in my life to, to lead me and to tell me that it doesn't matter where you come from or how you were raised, that you could be somebody. I, I'm totally interested, and I will promote you as much as I can. One of the things that you just said, though, about education reminds me of some of the conversation we had earlier about this race issue that we have. And I want to talk to you about how, you know, you've got biracial girls and I, I don't yeah. I asked you earlier what race you identify with and you haven't really said. And I don't think our listeners know that you look white. So, yeah, I want to talk to you about how we can educate. We're adults. And our children are our responsibility. And I believe that racism is something that we're taught as children. And unless yep. you can unlearn that racism, you just perpetuate it in society. You know, I, I yep. had my own upbringing. I know, I know the things that I heard that aren't true. I know the things that I heard that are just despicable and that they tried to tell me when I was growing up. But what, what do you think we can do to teach our children to, to be better humans, to be more loving and see less color. You know, when, when I hear people who are running for office, they say, we don't see color. Yes, you do. But when it comes to our kids, they can truly not see color. 
I started at a very early age with my daughters because let's face it, you know, we can only do so much as parents once they get exposed uh, to the world, social media, uh, their friends. But they would come home and say, Daddy, that black, stop right there. I don't need the prefix. Tell me that girl. I don't need to hear because what is that little descriptor? What is that doing? So it all stems from home. You know, what we're teaching them, you know, what they're hearing. You know, at a very early age, I remember being a kid and hearing my cousins joke on me because, you know, I was hanging, I had black friends. I never looked at, well, my black friend. And I think that's so interesting when you hear people, I can't be racist. I got two black friends. Well, that's great, Karen. But, you know, looking back, I remember feeling so hurt that I'm like, what, what am I doing wrong? Because my, my friend Tremaine, my friend Jonathan, I love them. You know, uh, a good buddy of mine, Jonathan, who just got out of prison, unfortunately, but he helped raise me. You know, he taught me how to ride a bike. I never looked at, uh, you know, it just so happens I was raised uh, by his parents who taught me a lot and instilled a lot. And, you know, and I grew up in some of these areas, but, you know, I, I never understood why, you know, my family uh, would think any different. And then when I had my daughters, to have a grandmother shun them out, never wanted anything to do with them. I'm like, that is absolutely disgusting. But it, it, it all stems from what what they hear, you know, and you can't blame the schools. I was just talking to a school board member this morning. You know, we, we are so quick to say, look what the school is doing, but you've never been to a school board meeting. You can't be mad with the decisions they're making if you're not a part of your type of uh, education here. So when you tell me at my age, we don't see color. I, I can't really believe that. But for these kids, they truly don't have to see it. It is perpetuated on them. You know, so it all it all starts at home. And it's so ignorant when you hear people, well, I got a black friend, you know, or, or so-and-so's black. That doesn't mean anything. I think people forget the word prejudice and the word bigot, and they think they're they're synonymous with themselves. You know, you can say, oh, I would never date a black person versus I hate black people. Guess what? You sound ignorant in both shades, you know? So whether it's thought, and, that, and a lot of times that is the only difference is what someone's thinking. You know, I was looking at recently, they said, you're gonna clean out all these statues and everything, but when are we gonna start cleaning out our hearts? And that is truly where it's gonna, where it's gonna stem from. You know, once we, internally clean ourselves and we get rid of that hate listen at the end of the day you can promote whoever you want to be in office and i can do the same but i don't have to hate you why do i gotta hate you if you're a republican a democrat a libertarian if you want to if you want to identify as a frog i'll still love you i know it's weird you know but who cares who cares if we believe in god and we say god is love no matter what religion now identify with any religion either you know spiritually i do i believe God, whoever that is, you know, or whatever that is. But at the end of the day, it's just about doing right. You know, you don't have to believe in the Bible, but read some stories. There's some great stories in there. But it's all about love. And that's what I truly believe in. Light attracts light and dark attracts dark, period. So, of course, these kids, you know, and, and, and that's how my little daughters are brought up. And I ask them all the time. You know, I say, if someone says, what are you? You know what you say? You're a human being. When, when I get asked that all the time, whether it's, uh, you know, political affiliation, you know, I'm a person or an alien, whichever one you want to hear. If you think that sounds nuts, it is just as equally nuts that I say I'm an alien than you having to put me in a box. Yeah. As society, I have to be put in a box in everything. I want to color outside the box. Can I color outside the box? I think I can. Absolutely. 
Well, I appreciate your advocacy because I, I believe that you're making a difference. And if I didn't, I wouldn't have had you on this platform. And what I want you to do, I mean, you've got me hooked. I'll be team success all the way. You, you got my information. I want you to tell others how we can help support team success because you're doing great things. Not being able to walk across the stage to graduate because you're exercising your freedom of speech. I'm glad that you were there to help that girl. And so tell us, how do, how do we get in contact with you? How do we contribute? How do we, how do we make this happen? So a, a few different ways. On Facebook, you can go to Team Success Enterprises. You can go to our website, theteamsuccessenterprises.org. There's a PayPal link. You know, it could be as simple as a reoccurring donation of $20. Right now we have this box truck, um, but there's a lot of things I need. I need more insurance. I need to be able to pay some of the movers. Uh, we're gonna do a great partnership with law enforcement where they contact us and any domestic violence victim, it'll be free of charge, but everything costs money. I mean, the diesel is expensive. So we desperately need donations. We're always collecting food, hygiene. We partner with CareNet Pregnancy Center. I was the first dad to ever go through that wonderful organization. Anytime we get diapers, wipes and formula, we go there every few months. Hibiscus Children's Village. I just got done donating them uh, a mm -hmm. bunch of items last week. So you could always you go to Michael C. Marsh and try to request me. Right now we have a little over 1,100 followers on Facebook, so that's we're most active on Facebook. Uh, we're always doing fundraising. You could always send us a check. Uh, we're in 501 Everything's tax deductible, even when you donate to us. So it's greatly appreciated. You can find us at TeamSuccessEnterprises.org, Team Success Enterprises on Facebook, or just look me up, Michael C. Marsh. And I like to leave off with. Our motto, and that is, I am, you are, we are, team success. That's right. Michael, I, I appreciate you so much. I've thoroughly enjoyed this, and, and I see us being friends for a really long time. Thank you Thank so you much for sharing with me. Thanks for listening to this episode of From Foster Care to Family Law, A Child Welfare Focus. I hope that this interview provided some valuable insight to help you deal with your unique circumstances. If you found this episode useful, please share this with friends and family that could benefit from this information. If you have a family law need or related matter, please contact me directly and I will be happy to help you.